This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Jacob built him a house in Sukkot. He built a house in Sukkot. That place, that place is called Sukkot because it was some kind of deserted place and Jacob hadn't reached home yet. And we can understand why he wants to make some, some shades for his cattle to rest. Why did he build a house? Why did he build a house? Probably it was some beautiful place. I don't know, grazing for his cattle. Jacob looks around and says, oh, not bad, not bad. And so he builds, he settles down and he builds a house. That was not where God had told him to go. God told him, you go back to your people, you go back to Isaac, you go back to Esau. But Jacob has made a bad decision here because this is the start of Jacob's disobedience. And God had told Jacob that he was to be no longer Jacob. That's finished. That person that rebels against God is no more. I don't wanna call you, God was saying to Jacob. I don't wanna call you Jacob anymore. Don't make me call you Jacob. I want to call you Israel. I want you to be the Israel that obeys God. But what we see Jacob doing here in building this house was not what God wanted him to do. He had moved in the direction of home, but he stopped short of home. That was incomplete obedience. And incomplete obedience is disobedience. And that's the way sin starts in our lives, with incomplete obedience obedience. Like Jacob, we start well, but we don't go on and we stop, and that's disobedience. And so Jacob does something very strange again. It says here in, in verse 18, Genesis 33, 18, 33, 18, verse 18, it says, Jacob came to Shalem, a city, a, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came to Padanaram and pitched his tent before the city and he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamar, Shechem's father, for a 100 pieces of money, and he erected there an altar and called it El Elohei Yisrael. Now, Jacob 
had just built his house over there in Sukkot. And now he's moving to another place, Shalom, and which is in, which is a city, which is a city in Shechem, and he pitches a tent there. What's he doing? Why is Jacob moving from his house to now to pitching his tent there? Because Jacob is restless and Jacob has no peace, and Jacob's not able to enjoy the house that he built, that he just built. He's just moved out into the, into the countryside, and now he wants to move to the city, and he buys land there. Why is Jacob so restless? Why does he have no peace? Because he's not obeying God. Jacob is not obeying God. Jacob cannot rest, and he cannot be at peace because Jacob's not at peace with God. And Jacob knows that God has told him to move on from those places, keep on going, go back home. But since Jacob is not doing that, Jacob is on the edge, and he's edgy, and he's agitated, and he's restless, and he's not happy with what he had, which are the symptoms of not obeying God. Like, the, like it says in Isaiah 57.20, Isaiah 57.20 says, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. So this restlessness, this agitation of spirit that we see in Jacob, that's a picture of what happens to us when we don't obey God. We become jumpy, we become easily startled, we no longer content, and as the agitation of the soul stirs up inside of us. But Jacob did not want to be known as a heathen who didn't know God, even though Jacob was not obeying God, Jacob didn't want to be known as an unbeliever, so even though he was not where God wanted him to be, we see Jacob appearing to be a follower of God in the end of verse 20, verse 20, where he says, where it says, and he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Yisrael. So God called Jacob to go back home, keep his vow to God, make those stones the house of God, and Jacob didn't go home and Jacob settled down in Shechem in a state of disobedience to God. And even though Jacob was not obeying God and God was, and, and, he, and, and, and he, he was not listening to God and he was not in the will of God, he didn't want to appear as though he wasn't obeying God. Oh no. So Jacob sets up an altar and we can imagine that Jacob maybe even frequented that altar and he set it set up for God and we, maybe he's sacrificing on that altar and he set it up for God and the people looked at Jacob and his altar, they would have thought, well, there's a follower of God. Jacob's following God. Look at that, he's got the altar. And from Jacob and his altar, no one would have suspected that Jacob was not obeying God at all. No one would have suspected that Jacob was in disobedience to God because of his altar and we can imagine his regular attendance and so forth. And if you ask Jacob, he said, Jacob, are you a follower of God? He would say, of course I am. Look at my altar. I go there regularly to my altar. That's a picture of a Christian who's not obeying God, yet he goes to church regularly, sings the hymns with enthusiasm. He's not doing what God wants him to do. He's a Christian living in Shechem with an altar. And so what did Jacob have in mind with this altar? We can learn what Jacob had in mind by the name he gives to it, El Elohe Yisrael, which means God, El Elohe, the God of Israel, Israel. God, the God of Israel. Now, with that name, Jacob is, is really speaking here. Because with that name, he's saying, Jacob is saying, I'm trusting God to be the, my God, the God of Israel. So God of Jacob, God of Israel. He knew, Jacob knew that, that, that he was living 
in constant danger around people who didn't fear God. Jacob also was afraid because he knew he was out of the will of God. So what Jacob wanted, what did he want with this new altar, this new name, God, the God of Israel? Jacob wanted God to protect him, to protect him. Even though he's outside the will of God, he wanted God to protect him. I mean, if you could choose the best bodyguard, bodyguard for your personal protection, wouldn't you choose God? <laughs> right? you choose God. I mean, that's what Jacob wanted. I mean, Jacob wanted God to be his personal bodyguard, his personal El Elohe Israel. And that's what a Christian wants who's out of the will of God and he's not following God. He's afraid because he knows he lives in a world that's hostile to God and he knows that there's a powerful devil that hates him, wants to destroy him. And he's afraid because he knows he's not obeying God, he's not following God. All he wants is just for God to be God, El Elohe, me. <laughs> you know, God, the God of me. And the Christian who's not obeying God, who's not following God, is not interested in, in, in following God, but he sure wants God to be his personal bodyguard, and that's what Jacob wants here. But that's a dangerous road to go down, a really dangerous road to go down. And this is a dangerous course for Jacob to follow. It's this life of disobedience to God. It's sure to result in a disaster, which is what happened. But Jacob didn't think he was heading for a disaster. Jacob has his altar, he's got his place to live in there, he's got a new location in Shechem, he owns the land, he's put together this fail-safe life of, of a religious disobedience to God. And too many Christians with the church, that, and they go to the Bible studies and their life, in the, but they're living a life that's in the world. They're living just like the lost, and they're thinking that they put it all together, they have a fail-safe life of religious disobedience to God. Now, Jacob, he sure could have saved himself a lot of hurt, a lot of heartaches, if only he would have obeyed God. But Jacob thought, Jacob didn't think that way. Jacob thought, I'm smarter than the average bear. I, I'm not, not me. So what happened? Okay, next chapter, chapter 34, verse one, Genesis 34, one. Dina, I mean, that's how you pronounce it. You can say Dinah if you want, but he's Dina. Dina, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. Now, Jacob, at this point, he has a compromised life with God. He is the head of his home, and he is allow, and he, he, but he's allowing his family to also live a life of compromise in the world. He's not insisting that his family obey God. God could not say about Jacob what God said about his grandfather Abraham in Genesis 18, 19. Genesis 18, 19, where God said about Abraham, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. See, Abraham lived a life of obedience, a life of obedience to God, and Abraham commanded his children to live that way as well. And, and, and Jacob wasn't living a life of obedience to God, as Jacob was not commanding his children to, to be in obedience to God. Now, I mean, think about Joshua. Joshua didn't say, as for me, I will serve the Lord. No, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
where Jacob was and the people that he lived among, the Canaanite people, the mark of the Canaanite people was sexual defilement. And Jacob knew that he was living among sexually defiling people. Not that we live anywhere near these kind of things, you know, but anyway. He should have protected his children and not allowed Dina to go off and mingle with sexually oriented Shechemites. And that's how this disaster struck Jacob's home in verse two, Genesis 34, two, Genesis 34, two. When Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and defiled her. Now Jacob has reaped the consequences of disobedience to God. Fornication in his own, his own daughter. And when a Christian decides to live in the world, just like the lost, just like the lost, most of the time, he or she will reap the consequence of some sexual defilement of fornication. Now there's big trouble, big trouble in Jacob's home. And in verse seven, it's spreading. The sons of Jacob, verse seven, the sons of Jacob came out of the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very wroth because he had wrought folly in Israel and laying with Jacob's daughter, which thing ought not to be done. This is another typical consequence of disobedience to God. Trouble in the home, anger, grief, bitterness, turmoil in the home. And now Jacob's beginning to learn the hard way of Galatians 6, 7. Galatians 6, 7, which says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also that shall he also reap. And this, this sin is like leaven. It just spreads and spreads. So sin was spreading now to his sons, who then decide to get revenge by tricking the Shechemites. Say, oh, you can have all of our women and all of our riches. All you got to do is just be circumcised. Just be circumcised. And in Genesis 34, 25, we realize they got them to do that. And then Genesis, then verse 25, 34, 25, 34, 25. It came to pass on the third day when they were sore, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. Two men, Simeon and Levi, killed all the men. Now drop down to verse 27, 30, Genesis 34, 27, 34, 27. The sons of Jacob, and we're not talking about Levi and Simeon here. We're talking about all the sons of Jacob. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their sheep, their oxen, their asses, that which is in the city, that which is in the field, all their wealth, their, all their little ones and their wives, took they captive and spoiled even all that was in the house. Now Jacob's sons, Levi and Simeon, they murder all the men of Shechem here, and then the, and the whole, all, all of the sons steal the wealth and the children and the wives. Now Jacob, not only has he got the problem that his daughter, Dina, has been sexually defiled, now he's got the problem of Levi and Simeon are defiled with murder, and now all of his sons are, are now guilty of robbery as they stole all the wealth. So Jacob's home has just become a, a, a disaster, and to make matters worse, his home has now swelled with new individuals. Who are these people? 
These are little children, and these are the wives of the murdered men of Shechem. I mean, what do you think those, those children, what do you think those children of their murdered fathers, and what do you think those wives of the murdered husbands thought about Jacob and his family? I mean, can you imagine Jacob going out to those children and those family in the morning and say, good morning to you? <laughs> imagine the reply, good morning? Your son's just murdered my father. Or uh, good morning, your son's just murdered my husband. This is part of his home now. Jacob's home is a disaster zone. And the Christian who lives in the world just like the lost, he can expect his home to become a disaster. And there was even more catastrophe for Jacob when he said in verse 30, look at verse 30, Genesis 34, 30, Genesis 34, 30, and Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. So Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, first he said, you troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and Perizzites. You know, Jacob was called by God, as every believer is, to bring the knowledge of God to the people around Jacob was called by God to bring the knowledge of God to the Canaanites around him. Jacob was called to be a light to the people around him, to be a good witness, to be a good testimony to the people among whom he lived. But instead of being a good testimony to the people around him, Jacob had been made to stink, all stemming from disobedience to God. And we are called to bring the knowledge of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the people around us. And when we're worldly and not obedient to God, we lose our testimony. We're not a good witness. Whenever a Christian is worldly in his life, then eventually it'll be a stink to the, to the lost. And this is the other consequence of a disobedient and worldly Christian. His witness and his testimony goes sour. So Jacob now is in a world of trouble with his daughter sexually defiled, his son's his son's murderers and thieves, his witness is stinking, and he's afraid that he's gonna be destroyed. And all this has come because he didn't obey God. And so at this point, Jacob has every reason to sit down and look back on his life and get really, really depressed with the knowledge that this all came from his decision to not obey God. And so now we can see Jacob's thinking about going down to the Coronado Bridge and jumping over, right? And, but now comes the brightest part of the whole history. Before he goes down to the Coronado Bridge, God steps in, in chapter 35, verse one, Genesis 35, one, 35, one. God said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel, dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. So God does not come to Jacob and say, well, that's a fine mess you made out of your life. I mean, here I protected you, I provided for you, I gave you a family, and now look what you've done. You ruined it all, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's not what God did, not at all. That's not who God is, and God does not make Jacob look back on his life and feel that way. But God speaks to Jacob, and he speaks about what he should do now. God tells Jacob, Jacob, this is how you recover. This is your road to recovery. And at this point, Jacob's life is in a state of death, and then when God speaks to Jacob now, it's like a resurrection from the dead. It's like, and God's word came to Jacob like a resurrection of hope. Well, there's hope for me. Yes, Jacob. 
And that's who God is. When a Christian who's made a total mess of his life and he's thinking about the Coronado Bridge, jumping over it, that's the time when God's word comes and it brings a resurrection of hope. And his resurrection of hope is this, these words that we have from 1 John 1, 9, for example. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Luke twenty two thirty two, Luke twenty two thirty two, where he told Peter, Peter, it's gonna go really rough for you, but I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And Isaiah 27, 5, Isaiah 27, 5, she says to the weak who has no strength, let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. So Jacob now rises to God's word of resurrection of hope and he announces to his family in verse two, Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods among you and be clean and change your garments. Now that's a shock for us to read when we read this, strange gods that are among you, strange gods all throughout Jacob's family. How could this be? That's a compromise. Compromise is always bad for the Christian. When we read strange gods, by the way, strange god, strange god is not a good translation. In the Hebrew, it reads gods of the strangers, gods of the strangers. That's important for us to always keep those in mind those words, of the strangers, of the strangers, because the meaning is that those gods of the lost, they have no place in the family of Jacob. When we read gods of the strangers among you, our response should be, what in the world? But they, because they have no place in Jacob's life. And for us, there's music, there is movies, there are movies, there are entertainments, there are websites around us, and those are all of the strangers of the strangers to God. They have no place in our lives. I don't like to watch movies and they, that are not Christian movies because I feel so out of place when I look and I hear God say to me like he said to Elijah in, in 1 Kings 19.9, 1 Kings 19.9, he came thither into a cave and lodged there and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? I don't want God to say to me in movie house, what are you doing here, Tom? Because <laughs> I think to myself, I don't belong here. I don't belong here watching this movie because this movie is of the strangers. This movie is of the strangers of God, the people who are strangers to God. This is the best. So Jacob tells his family in verse two, Genesis 35, two, 35, two, two words, be clean, be clean. This is what repentance looks like, looks like here. It, the, repentance is starts in the heart, be clean, then change your clothes. You got blood on your clothes. All the blood of the Shechemites is terrible. But first, be clean inside. You know, repentance comes before coming to God. In Isaiah 1, is the, it starts off Isaiah 1, where God says to Israel, oh, Israel, you're really in bad condition. You're a people laid with iniquity, sinful nation, seed of evildoers, corruptors. It's terrible, the list. But then he says, he says in verse 16, Isaiah 1, 16, Isaiah 1, 16, he says, wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Then after that happens, that's in verse 16, Isaiah 1, 16. After that happens, after a person turns away from the moral filth, then comes verse 18, Isaiah 1, 18, Isaiah 1, 18. Come now, 
Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The worldly Christian must first turn away from the world before he can turn to God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.